Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Masterclass. Um, and today we're talking about love. And the title of my message is a question, what is love? What is love? How do we define love? Who defines love for us? Good question. If you have children, are you defining love for your children? Or are you allowing the world and society to define love to your children and even to yourself? Oh, this is a big problem today. Because we're looking to the world for answers that they can't give us to bring solutions. The answers the world gives us today only brings more chaos. It never brings a solution. It never brings healing. It never brings development. It never brings life. The world was not intended to give us life. Only God is intended to give us life. Amen? So a friend of mine, the reason we call this series Masterclass, a friend of mine during the shutdown, uh, subscribed to this online app where you can find out all kinds of information if you want to learn how to be a good cook or learn how to barbecue well, you can learn from all these experts. And what they did is they took all the experts and put them in one location. So if you want to know how to write a book, if you want to know how to garden, if you want to know how to do your nails, if that's what you do, you can go to Masterclass and learn from them, from all these professionals, these masters, how to do things, right? And so he did that and he, he, he upped his barbecue game. I'll give him that. He upped his carpentry game. He built some patio furniture, which I thought was pretty cool. I was impressed because I knew him before master class. <laughs> he couldn't build anything. In fact, we used to trade out. He would do my computer work if I would do his construction work. <laughs> Question, where are we learning about love, sex, and marriage? Where are we learning that from? Are we learning it from popular culture, past experiences, movies, magazines, Google, YouTube? I hope not, but I'm afraid we have. And maybe we didn't learn it from there. Maybe we did learn it from God's word, but we're allowing too much of the world to influence how we define and understand love. Because let me tell you what the world wants to do. The world wants to influence your expectations. Did you get that? The, 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 the devil wants to influence your expectations. So when you're married or you're in relationships with other people, he wants to influence your expectations to make your expectations unhealthy. So when your expectations aren't met, then you're left hanging. Disappointed, discouraged, doubtful. In disbelief. You see it? Tell me you see it. Come on, you can talk back in this church. We're not one of those churches that you can't say anything. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. Boom, shalak, lock, boom. It's a message in itself. Why in the world... Would believers who are tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit have access to God's word and fresh revelation given by the Holy Spirit? Why in the world would we look anywhere else other than scripture to find solutions to problems? To find definitions for things that have already been defined? Why would we go to the world? 
Paul said, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Watch this. By changing the way you think. How do you change your mind when you read absolute truth and it comes against the lies that you're believing and it changes your mind? When your mind is changed, your life is transformed. Come on. So if you're not reading, you're brain dead. If I smile, does it make it feel better? <laughs> but too often today, Christians don't know the Bible. We're lazy. This is the last thing we want to pick up. This is the last thing we want to read. Why? Because it changes my mind and I don't like my mind changed. Because my mama was this way and my grandma was this way and my great grandma was this way and we always going to be this way. Then the Bible says, Paul tells us, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In order to know God's will for your life, your mind has to be transformed. Come on, you got to get this today. Your, your mind has to be transformed. So if you're wondering what God's will is for your life, you need to keep focusing on his word and let it transform your mind because the Bible says then, when it's transformed, then you will know God's will, which by the way is good, pleasing, and perfect. So in order to understand love, sex, and marriage, we must let the one who designed it define it, right? The world didn't design love, sex, and marriage. God did. So why is the world trying to define it for us? For the sole purpose of disappointment and destruction. And yet we buy into it, don't we? You see, God is the creator of love, sex, and marriage. So we're going to take a look in this series for the next couple of weeks. We're going to take a look into God's word, and we're going to let God's word teach us what we need to know about relationships. Amen? Because everything you'll ever need to know about relationships is found in the word. It is. 100% it's in the word. If you don't know, it's because you ain't looking. I'll smile again. Whenever I think it hurts, I'll just smile, okay? And maybe that'll make it feel better. So I'm going to sing a song to you this morning. Hmm. Not the whole thing, because I don't want you to die early. <laughs> I'm going to sing the first phrase of a song, and most of you will know this song. In fact, the first service got it right. And I want you to hear the lyrics as you say them. So I'm going to sing the first phrase. You finish the phrase up for me. The song goes like this. What is love? Ah, yeah, you knew it. Give yourself a hand. Why are you clapping for that? You still remember that? But the world's definition or society's definition of love is it puts love and pain together, which it starts to define for us that love must be painful. Come on. It also today puts lust in the middle of it and says that love must be lust. Newsflash, lust is not love and love is not lust. 
Lust is sin. Love in its purest form is directly from God. Amen? But the world wants to mix in these outer things into the definition of love to skew your understanding of what love is so that it messes with your expectations. So when you get into some real relationships, it's all jacked up. And you can't figure out why. Why is this all messed up? Come on. We start to believe myths. <laughs> I want to share four myths with you today. Maybe you've heard these or even said these. Myth number one, all men can't be trusted. And all women are crazy. Now, if you thought that, don't raise your hand. Just a little helpful hint. Don't raise your hand. All men can't be trusted. All men can't be trusted. You ever heard somebody say that? Just shake your head. Yeah, you heard somebody. It might have been you, but just shake your head. Yeah, I heard somebody say that. All women, are all women really crazy? This is a good place to answer, guys. No, my wife's not crazy. God, I can put the ball on the tee, but you got to hit it. That's all I'm saying. Who came up with this? Well, evidently somebody came up with all men can't be trusted when they were, their trust with a man was broken and they had a bad personal experience, right? And now all of a sudden their new truth is, is that all men can't be trusted. Like all of us get blamed for a couple of knuckleheads, right? And evidently, a guy was married to a woman with a few screws loose and, and had a bad personal experience, and now all women are crazy. I asked the guy one time, he said, all women are crazy. I said, well, dude, how do you get married? He said, well, you find the least craziest one, and you marry that one. And I'm like, what kind of thinking is this? Find the least craziest one. Be careful who you get your marital advice from. I'm just saying. But people will take things like that and make it their truth. Myth number two, if I can find the right one, everything will be all right. If I can find the right one. You know what that means if you believe that? That means you believe that you might have found the right one, but all of a sudden they became the wrong one. And when things get tough, they must be the wrong one. So I got to go back out and look for the right one again. Because the right one fixes everything. If I can find the right one, everything will be all right. The world has a way for us to find love and to be in relationship. Step one, the world says to find the right one. Step two, it says to fall in love. Step three, it says to fix all your hopes on them. And step four, if all else fails, repeat step one, two, and three. So we live in a society where people keep going in this vicious cycle. I got to find the right one. 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 God says, step one, become the right one. Step two, walk in love. Step three, fix all your hopes on God and not man. And if failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, three. Are you seeing this? 
Jesus said it this way, seek first my kingdom and his righteousness and my righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, when you read the Bible long enough, you start to understand the long theme of the Bible. The long theme of the Bible is to always put God first. The long theme of the Bible is that the enemy in the world is always trying to be first in place of God. So as a Christian, the wrestle is keeping God first. Come on. That's the wrestle. That's the fight. The fight is to keep God first in my life. If you're looking in the Bible for where it says something about the right one, you're not going to find much. But if you're reading your Bible to become the right one, you're going to find a whole lot. Amen? You're going to find more than you can keep up with. So watch this. Stop focusing so much on them and focus on him. Come on. And let him change you. Be the right one. You be the right one. Because there's somebody else praying for the right one. It's like, how in the world do we ever get together? It's like, is it an accident? Like, how did I meet Cheryl? I don't know. I was at a football game. She, she was fine, and I thought she, and I had shorts on. She liked my legs and all those beautiful, and it's just, it's just, I don't know. I mean, did God set that up? I don't know. Myth number three, love and marriage will fix our problems. As if to say some kind of certificate says that we're good now. We're registered at the courthouse. Oh, yeah? <laughs> How's that working in your favor? As if to say love and marriage is going to fix all of our problems. Do you know there's no such thing as married people issues? There's not. There's not married people issues. There's people issues that came in and got married together, and now that they got married, it magnified each other's issues, and now we got issues, right? So it's not married people issues, it's your issues. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you so. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I heard somebody's on this thread over here say, don't you dare. Because <laughs> you know what marriage does? Marriage magnifies your dysfunction. Uh-huh. Some people have said, when I get married, I'll quit looking at porn. I'll quit drinking. I'll quit being angry when I get married, when I need to. Well, go ahead and get yourself married and see if all that stuff just goes away. You might just drink more. You might just look more. And you might be more angry. Come on, I'm being serious. Because it magnifies your dysfunction. We put too much responsibility on the marriage and not enough on ourselves. I am personally responsible for my own growth. It is not Cheryl's responsibility, it's mine. What's funny is, is if you don't deal with your dysfunctions before you get married, you get married 
and within six to eight months, all your dysfunctions become their fault. When the whole time it was your dysfunction before you even got married. Now all of a sudden you think you got a legal right to blame somebody. Come on. If you wouldn't do this, then I wouldn't do that. If you wouldn't say this, then I wouldn't say that. If you would do this, then I wouldn't be so angry. How's that working for you? Love and marriage will fix our problems. <laughs> Can I just tell you marriage is the hardest thing you will ever do on the planet? But it's worth it. Myth number four, <laughs> my love can change them. Some people get married thinking that their love for that person can change them. I warn my kids, you bring crazy around here and think you're going to marry crazy, I'm going to pray heaven down and I'm going to disrupt that relationship because you ain't been called to change nobody, right? You've been called to change, but not to change nobody. And we're not into projects. We're not marrying people like a project. And we hope that someday at the end we got this beautiful result. No. They need to be with Jesus before you get married. You need to see if they can change before you get married. Come on, if they're reluctant to change before you get married, run, Forrest, run! Because just by some chance, if you get married, they're not going to all of a sudden go, well, you know, I think I might change. It ain't going to happen. Don't bring crazy around here. I'll pray them out. I'm serious. Daddy don't need no more projects. Come on, somebody. But if we're not careful, these, myth, these myths become our truth. And we start to live underneath these lies. Marriage is incredible. It's one of the best things I've ever done and still doing today. Yeah, it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Come on, I'm a better man because I've been married. Iron sharpens iron. One Cheryl sharpens a Jamie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I want us to ask ourselves this question today. Is what I'm feeling, is what I'm desiring, is what I'm longing for, is it love or is it infatuation? Is it love or is it infatuation? Number one, infatuation is based on feeling. Love is based on commitment. Mm -hmm. You ever not feel it? Yeah, don't raise your hand. That's smart. You ever not felt like being married anymore? When I do premarital counseling, when Cheryl and I do premarital counseling, we ask the question sometimes, why do you want to get married? And most people's first response is because we love each other. And that's great. <laughs> love needs to be there. Like, if you don't love them, please don't marry them. Love needs to be there, but that's not the only component. There needs to be more than that. Amen? 
Because what happens after six to 18 months when you've lost that loving feeling? Whoa, that loving feeling. Warning, the feelings are a roller coaster, a crazy roller coaster. Sometimes there's this easy point on the roller coaster called feelings. But then sometimes it goes up and comes down real fast, right? And then it goes back up and then it comes down. Sometimes it twists all around trying to throw you off, right? That's what feelings do. What happens when we lose the loving feeling? What are we going to do? Watch this. You have to understand that love is not an emotion. It's not an emotion. Can you feel it? Yes, I can feel love. I can feel God's love. I can feel when Cheryl loves me. I can feel it, but it's not an emotion. Love is a commanded action. Love is a decision. It's a choice. It's an act of your will. Amen? It's not an emotion. And if you think it's an emotion, you're going to be highly disappointed because you won't always feel like it. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, but I say, love your enemies, exclamation mark. Pray for those who persecute you, exclamation mark. You can't command an emotion. I can go to Cole and say, Cole, be happy. And he'll go. That's not real happiness, right? I can say to Connor, Connor, be sad. I can't command an emotion, but I can command an action, right? Jesus is not commanding us to, to have an emotion. He's commanding us to an action. Listen to what he says. Love your enemies. It's a decision you have to make. It's a hard decision to make to love your enemies, right? Because I didn't wake up this morning wanting to love my enemies. I woke up this morning wanting to punch them in the nose, right? But Jesus commands me to love them. He's commanding my action. I now have to make a decision and make my will act in the right way to love that person that I don't feel like loving. Are you seeing it? Because if you've been married longer than a minute, you know you don't always feel it. Ephesians 5, Paul says this. He says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Can I read that one more time? All the ladies said, yes. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Do you always feel like loving your wife like you love yourself? Answer, no. You don't. And if you say you do, that you always do, you're lying. Nobody always does because nobody's perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. Watch this. Love is a commitment. Yes. 
we got some issues with commitments, don't we? You know what the problem with commitment in marriage is? Is, is when we're standing at the altar and we're, and we're thinking about the honeymoon, <laughs> we'll say yes to anything. Holla. You'll say yes to anything. Yes, 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 yes. Can I kiss her yet? No. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You signing your life away. And you feel in every minute of you like, oh, this is the greatest decision I ever made in my whole life. Oh, my God. The problem with the honeymoon is it ends. Commitment is when you still do what you said you were going to do when you felt like doing it, even when you don't feel like doing it. That's commitment. That's commitment. Even when you don't feel like it. Are you still going to do what you committed to do? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13. He defines love for us. He He defines what it is and what it's not. Listen to what he says. Love is patient and kind. Man, that's two big ones right there. I'm like, come on, Paul, break this down a little bit. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Just looking around to see if anybody got hit with a brick. It, it does not demand its own way. Anybody married to somebody who's a, it's my way or a highway kind of person? Mm-hmm. Where am I at? It's not, it's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. Boy, is this a tough one? Yes. You know what Cheryl and I do with this one? We got this saying in our house. The minute one of us brings up the past, the other one goes, only the devil reminds you of your past. <laughs> I started it and I hate it. I wish I'd have never said it because it gets used against me more than it gets used against her. But love keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. You don't rejoice when your spouse or the person you're in a relationship with faces injustice. (laughs) Serves them right. I've been trying to tell them. It rejoices when truth wins out. Verse 7, love never gives up, never loses faith, and all is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Come on, did you catch that? Every circumstance. Isn't that good? It's good, but it's scary, isn't it? That, That verse puts some pressure on us, doesn't it? It should put pressure on us. It should be what defines love to us. Love is patient. Love is kind. Come on, somebody. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Come on, nobody's feeling love when you're being rude. It does not demand its own way. 
Anybody struggling to be a dictator in your life? It's my way. It's not irritable. Hmm. It tears up the record book. Can you do that? Can you leave the past in the past? You know what's funny about fighting with a spouse is, man, we can say some harmful things, can't we? Am I the only one? No? Like, like do you say harmful things when you fight with your spouse? Please make me feel better by raising your hand. Okay, good. We, we say some stupid, harmful things. There's times we get into these verbal arguments and I just, I can see it, I can hear it in my mind and, I'm, and, and my, I can hear the Holy Spirit going, no, 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 And the word comes out. I'm like, that's gonna come back and bite me. We can hurt each other. That's not love. never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures. Here's the, here's the secret. It endures through every circumstance. I don't know what your vows were, but my vows were till death do us part. <laughs> Though Cheryl and I have thought about bringing that in a little bit quicker, we never did. But till death do us part. So watch this. Love is not displayed until life gets messy. Right? Listen, we're all in love with it. Me and Cheryl had three days, man. It was rice and gravy. It was all love. It was, it was, we didn't argue. We didn't nothing until we started to drive home. And I'm like, what the heck happened? Then last night I'm going to I'm going to study my message and final up the message and all this and 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 she got mad at me for something that I didn't do right away and I'm like ah and we're shouting at each other I'm like what the heck am I doing? I'm going to study a marriage message and I'm fighting with my wife. So I, so I've learned if I go to sit down and study my message, God ain't giving me no revelation. Till I go make it right. So I turned my big tail around. I went back to where she was. And I said, hey, I said some stupid stuff. I was selfish. I'm sorry. We had a great couple of days. I didn't want to fight with you. I wish she was sitting there because it's really weird telling my daughter this. <laughs> and she, she's like, yes, dad, it is. But I'm like, I don't want to fight. I'm sorry. And, she, and, we, and we ended up laughing. And, and we forgave one another, right? But I could have just went to the room and, and wrestled through this thing and, and be sitting up in here with you today all frustrated because I got no anointing, no revelation, nothing fresh from heaven, just everything that's written on the page, and I'm reciting a message to you instead of preaching from heaven. It could be that way if I don't go and deal with the issue between me and my wife, right? Yeah. You're welcome. Because love doesn't come out until life gets messy. You see, you don't need to be kind unless somebody's offending you. 
you, you, you're not going to be irritated unless somebody's annoying you, right? You, unless someone wrongs you, you don't need to keep any records of wrongs, right? So to display the love that Jesus has for us, it shows up best when life is messy. Jesus' greatest example of love is the cross. Agree or disagree? Agree. His greatest example of love is the cross. Who did he go to the cross for? Us. Sinners. When you're offended, when you're irritated, when you're wanting to keep records of wrong when you don't want to have any more patience and you don't want to be kind, that's when you have an opportunity to display Jesus's love to the person you're in relationship with. It happens quick. It has to happen quick. Like we got to be mature enough to, to change in motion. Does this make sense? Like you need to, you need to catch yourself on the fly. Come on. Like you need to be in process, realizing something stupid's happening. I need to change what I'm doing right now. I need to make a choice, a decision to lay my life down, to lay my opinion down, to lay my feelings down, to lay my words down, to lay my attitude down, to lay my facial expressions down so that Christ can be lifted up. I really believe instead of a marriage certificate, it should be a death certificate. Can I just be honest with you? Because it's a life of death. I'm constantly dying to sell. 23 years we've been married. We've been together almost 30 years. I'm still dying. So watch this. Motion creates emotion. Start to put some things in motion. Be proactive about what you're doing. Serve one another. Lay your life down for one another. Be proactive about that. Make that decision before the opportunity comes, right? Motion creates emotion. Watch this. Choices lead, feelings follow. Newsflash, feelings are horrible leaders. I'll say it again. I've said it earlier in the message. Feelings are horrible leaders, but choices are great leaders. And you know what feelings were designed to do? Feelings were designed to follow your choices. So infatuation is based on feelings. Love is based on commitment. How's your commitment going? Number two, infatuation seeks to be served. Love seeks to sacrifice. Infatuation seeks to be served. Love seeks to sacrifice. Do you ever find yourself thinking, I wish they would do this for me? I wish they would be this for me? I wish they could be this. I wish they could be that. I wish they would do that for me. You ever, you ever catch yourself? Come on, be honest. 
It's all about me, 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 right? I wish they would be this for me. I wish they would be that for me. I wish they would go here for me. I wish they would go there for me. I need them to do this for me. Infatuation seeks to be served. Love seeks to sacrifice. I wonder how things would change if we started to think, what can I do to serve them? Like, can we get on the, on the front side of this whole thing? Can we make a decision to sacrificially serve our spouse or those that we're in a deep relationship with? Can we make that decision on the front side? Are you tracking with me? Instead of trying to make that decision in the, the, the commotion or even on the backside? What if we decide on the front side, I'm going to serve them through this. I'm going to bless them through this. I'm not going to give them time to wish I could do this or I could do that. I'm going to be proactive about it. How would things change? Here's the truth that I have to, I have to accept. I know what Cheryl wants. I know what Cheryl desires. I choose whether or not I'm going to give it to her or not. That's the truth. It's my choice. And I know this to be true also. Satan will hand me a thousand excuses. He will. He'll give me a thousand. Oh, you're busy. You're busy. Got to make bread. Got to make money for the family. Got to do this. Got to do that. I got to be here. Got to be there. I got to go save somebody else's marriage. Look at what John said in 1 John 3.16. He said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. You see it? His greatest display of love was to lay down his life for us. Our greatest display of love is to lay down our lives for other people. Now, some of you are very technical, so I'm going to clear this scripture up for you real quick. Some of you heard brothers and sisters, and you're thinking, Pastor, it didn't say spouse. You know who becomes your brother and your sister when you get to heaven? Yes, spouse. It's weird. Don't think about it too much. It'll make things awkward, but just know it's going to happen. Lay down your life. You got to notice that this isn't a command to feel something, but to do something. Number three, factuation focuses on external looks. Love focuses on an internal character. Infatuation focuses on external looks. Pooh, they fine. Me and my best friend got into an elevator one time, and they had two women in the elevator. I was visiting my mom at the hospital. This was years ago. I had a little bit of shape to me besides round. And my, my buddy was muscular and all this. And we get in this elevator, and there's two women in the elevator. And they're a little on the heavy side. And, 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 and we got in the elevator, and I felt like they were staring at us. You ever feel somebody staring at you? And, and, and I look up, and they're looking us up and down. They're going. And one of them starts sucking her teeth. She starts going. And she goes, girl, them boys are fine. And I'm backing up to the corner. 
and my buddy's up against the wall, and the other one goes, uh-huh, girl, they blessed. And I'm hitting numbers on the thing. Get me out. I'm not that fine. I know this. I've been looking at myself for 46 years. It was scary. But too many times people look at external things, right? We say, oh, they look good. That's desirable. Only to pursue that external thing and when you get it, be disappointed. My kids are getting to the age now where having relationships with other people is becoming acceptable. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm very intentional. Cheryl and I were very intentional about our kids. Our kids didn't date. Dun, dun, dun. They didn't date. They wanted to date at different times when they were in grade school and high school and junior high. And they had infatuations with people. And they felt the peer pressure to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. But you know what we did? We said, you don't need that. What do you mean I don't need that? What you gonna do? Y'all dating. What you gonna do? You can't drive. You broke as all get out. Where you gonna go? What you, you gonna talk on the phone? Well, you can disagree with that if you want to. But I believe they didn't need that distraction in their life. Instead, I said, how about you just be their friend and leave it at that. Because the minute you call yourself boyfriend or girlfriend, when it don't work out and you break up, you didn't lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you lost a friend, right? And the whole time all this drama is going on, your, your, your grades are failing. So we didn't, we didn't allow it. We didn't make a big deal about it. When it would come up, we just addressed it. Well, now they're all getting to the age. I'm losing control. Can I just be honest? I'm losing control. I don't like it. They like people. They talk to them on the phone all the time. And I'm just, It's been the hardest thing. I want to control it. Oh, if your kids ain't there, trust me. I used to say driver's license was the worst day. No. Love is. I agree. You can't. And you won't. This is what we aimed our kids towards. I don't want you to fall in love with somebody's external, with their looks, with their hair, with their clothes. Don't be impressed by all that. That's cheap, right? Because hair gets messed up even after you leave the beauty salon. Amen. I fixed my beard before I left. It's all jacked up now. The, the moisture outside just it did it one, anyway. It, it's like looks will fade. You follow me? It was, now it's got its place. It's got its importance. You need to have some attraction. I fell in love with Cheryl because of what she looked like. I'm madly in love with who she is now. 
Are you seeing this? So, so the aim for our kids was don't fall in love with what you see on the outside. I don't care if you bring Mr. GQ home. If he ain't got no character, he's going back home. You with me? I want them to fall in love with somebody's character. Because over time, looks fade. Things sag. Things drag. Stuff ain't where it was when you first met them. You had a tattoo that was all nice and pretty. Now it's a long tattoo. I mean, stuff just goes sideways. What they look like is important, but who they look like is more important. So I want Ethan to marry a girl's heart. I want Anna and Virginia to marry a guy's heart. Not his jeans. Come on, not his pickup truck. Not his hair. I'm living proof that stuff falls off. You know, I've never had a woman come in for marriage counseling and complain about her husband's looks. She's always complained about his character. Over 12 to 14 years of doing marriage counseling, Cheryl and I, I can think of less than 1% of the times we actually had to deal with some, some people about what the, the other person looked like. That means this, that 99.9% .9 of the time, you're dealing with character issues, not mascara issues. You follow me? You're dealing with the internal, not the external. Number four, infatuation is built on the physical. Love is built on the spiritual. So let me show you how the world builds love. This is, the world tells you this is how, you to, how you're to fall in love. It says first you need to look at the physical. Then you need to deal with the emotional. Then you need to get with the relational. And then you need to hopefully become spiritual. That's how the world says you need to go into love or find a relationship. It needs to be physical, emotional, relational, then spiritual. So here's the problem. When it's physical, you fall in love because they're fine, you're already set up for disaster. Then it, then it becomes emotional. We make dumb decisions when we're emotional, right? Based on feelings. Then, then we become relational. We get around friends and family and we try to convince them that the other person is good for us. That's what we call dating these days. Dating is me and you going to hang out with my family and, and trying to convince them that we're good for each other. That's not dating. That's manipulation. And then we try to get the spiritual. And this is what we do. When we chase the physical, the emotional, the relational, and then we come in with the spiritual, you know what we do? We pray stuff like this. God, would you bless this mess? Lord, would you bless this mess? Please bless this. I got myself in a corner. I can't get out. Would you bless this mess? You know what he'll do? He'll turn it around. I wish I could stand here and tell you that Cheryl and I did it the right way. 
it would be a great honor for me to stand before my own children and tell you that me and Cheryl did it the right way. We didn't. We did it exactly how the world said to do it. It started physical, it went emotional, it became relational, and then later on it became spiritual, and we spent 10 to 15 years painfully walking through God changing our hearts. If I could say anything to my previous self, I would say, self, don't build that way. It's going to hurt. And it was rough, but God turned it around. But there's a better way. There's God's way. And he tells us how to do that. In 1 John, John says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We have to go back to the author of love. So God's way of building love is this way. You start with the spiritual. It starts with God realizing that he is your foundation and he is your source. If Cheryl and I would have done that, we'd have quit fighting about these unrealistic expectations we kept putting on each other. Our biggest fights have been, well, you don't meet my needs. Well, you don't meet my needs. When you start meeting my needs, I'll meet your needs. It was a standoff. No intimacy in a standoff. No fun in a standoff. It's called marital isolation in a standoff. Where you're legally married, but you're separated in everything you do. But if it starts spiritual, and God is your foundation, and God is their foundation, and he's their source, and he's your source, man, you're starting out right then it becomes relational. You get around some people that can speak truth into your life. Come on. We all need people that can tell us the truth. Every one of us. If you keep dodging people that want to tell you the truth in love, you're handicapping yourself. You're hurting only you. I don't like to be told the truth, but I appreciate it when people tell me the truth. Then it becomes emotional, and we get to know them. So it starts spiritual. It becomes relational. It gets emotional. Watch this. And then when you get married, it gets physical. Do I have to spell it out for you? I mean, dear God. Got it? It gets physical. Multiplication happens. Intimacy happens. Too much multiplication, too fast, affects the intimacy, but it still happens. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and it's supposed to be fun. Marriage supposed to be fun. But you wait till you're married. Amen? Amen? You wait till you're married. My prayer is that my kids don't even kiss the other person until the wedding day. Amen. That's what we're shooting for. Come on, somebody. That's what we're praying for. Right? 
Everything needs to be brand new on the honeymoon. Come on, somebody, like pull the tags off. It's brand new. Absolutely worth waiting for. So Cheryl and I had to wrestle for probably 15 years before we started seeing some real breakthrough because we didn't build right. I don't regret what I did because God worked it out. I just only wish I would have done it better. So my advice now because of my bad turn on the wrong road is to build right. Let God define what love is and what it's not. Look to the scriptures to find out who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be. Put your expectations and your pressures on God and not the other person. Because this is what I know to be true. When dealing with strife in a marriage, two folks will, will, will have a standoff. I won't do this until you do this. And then that's what the other person says. I won't do this until you do this. Well, as long as we both hold that position, we get nowheres. Right? The only way it changes is when one person in the relationship decides to grow up and do it what they're responsible to do no matter what. Whether they get it back or not. Now, some of us are good at initiating that. Some of us are very bad at keeping that going. We give them two tries in the name of Jesus, and if they don't change, we resort back to the standoff. Right? Good thing God didn't do that with us. Right? But it's not until one person matures enough to say, you know what? I'm going to die to self. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to pick this up behind them. I'm not going to bite my tongue. It might fall off, but I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to hold my words. I'm going I'm to I'm press in and love them even when I don't feel like it. And you know what happens? You know what happens when only one person is left taking a stand? Two guys pointing a gun at each other. One of them puts his gun down and walks away. How do you think the other one feels? He's left there like this. Leave him hanging. Serve. Sacrifice. Eventually they'll put the gun down and they'll soften up and they'll change. Because love is expressed best when life is messy. Amen? Amen. So no matter where you stand today in relationship, whether you're single and you're believing God to bring someone, whether this is your second go-round or not, Whether you've been married for a long time and it seems like, yeah, we're together, but I almost feel like I'm single. Wherever you find yourself today, I want you to hear this. God can transform it. 
can turn it around. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And I'll encourage you with this last thing. God is so gracious that he often whispers to us to do something or to act a certain way. And we hear it. Oh, you know you hear it. Some of us, is, or some of us are good at ducking it, though. The Holy Spirit might say to you, won't you go run a bath for her? Why don't you go wash a load of clothes for her? <laughs> and some of the guys go, that's the devil. That ain't the Lord. Why don't you wash the dishes? you pick up the living room won't you rub her feet oh but pastor won't you give her a massage won't you buy her a massage Come on, ladies I'm putting the ball on the tee why don't you encourage him why don't you tell him I believe in you Why don't you respect him? Would you just would you just appreciate him right now? What if you fix his plate and you put a lot of food on it? Not what you think needs to be on there. Like more meat than vegetables. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit tells us even the little things. Here's the question. Why are we not listening? You know why we're not listening? Because there's something wrong in here. Something's wrong in here. And if you know that's you today, you know what you need to do? You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to confess that to him. He knows it. He just wants to hear it come out of your mouth. Confess it. And then repent of it. Do better. Do better.